You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Thanks, guys. Good morning. How are you? Good. If we have not met before, I'm Courtney. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited that you're with us this morning. Mm. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. If you're listening on the podcast, our hands are open and we're receiving. <laughs> you may join us. Mm. This morning, we're going to talk about intimacy. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about family. I was thinking in worship, I just had all these flashbacks and memories of preaching all over the world. When I got to preach in Africa and Mexico and Costa Rica, all these flashes for some reason were coming before my eyes. All of these privileges and honor, just the sweetest experiences of my life. And I realized, I think I'm getting a new favorite place to preach. I think my family is my new favorite place to (laughs) preach. And it was this really cool thing in my heart. I could feel it happening. I could feel me rooting in family even more. So yeah, I love the nations. I always will. I'm privileged to get to go and overflow. But you're my family. And I'm so happy to be with you. And I'm so happy to talk with you this morning. And I always tell my friends, I always say, you have my strength first. I tell my family, you have my strength first. You get more of me than ministry does. Right? That's how it works. That's how family works. So same. You guys get more of me and more of my strength and what I carry and what I've gathered from, from Bethel and from other places. You get it first. So let's do this together. As a team this morning, we were sensing, we've been sensing for the past couple weeks, um, we're at a new place in our journey of building family and tribe and structure even practically as a church. We've been in a place for a while, you know, we've been talking about it, core values, structure, we've been going after it, and now we're kind of at this new part of the road that requires us to lean in. Leaning in is a um, simple act, right? Boom, there we are. But it is intentional. <laughs> yeah? And, um, and so as a, as a team, as a pastoral team this morning, we did a little prophetic act in our little huddle. We all just were leaning in together. <laughs> and so whether it's, you know, the, um, the process of healing and growing and being discipled, and it can get uncomfortable, and we need to lean in in the middle of that, or if it's in just life has happened, we've had a lot of big weeks recently. A lot of people in our house have and on our team. You know, we lean in despite that. So whatever it is this morning, I would invite you to lean in. So can you prophetic act with me? Lean in. (laughs) There we go. Awesome. Thank you. I'm leaning in with you. So good. The design of today is we want to bring alignment with us and Jesus, and we want to bring alignment with each other. So vertical alignment and horizontal alignment. We just want to come deeper in to his design of family 
you know, in family, of course, you got you got a papa and mama, and he is our dad. He's the perfect father. Everything in our conversation of intimacy comes from being intimate with him. Intimacy with God, it is the goal of life, right? It is the thing. There is no other thing. <laughs> it is the thing we do not move on from. It is the main thing. It is what Jesus came for to restore our connection with the Godhead. It isn't something we check a box in and then go after the rest of the kingdom. It is the thing that everything else flows from in the kingdom. So just wind up, again, draw us to that, align us to that. This is our one pursuit, him and his heart and intimacy with him and connection with him. This is our thing. And from that is also design is one with each other, intimacy with each other. You know, this is what Jesus prayed that we would be one. I think we have that verse for you. We can read it later. But we, that is, that's his heart, that we would be one. And he even said that this is how. Well, let's just go ahead and open the Bible. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> okay, let's go to John. Let's go to John. Um, let's do John 13, 35 first, that we be known by our love. So this is, did we get passion? We did? Great. Um, thank you. For when, oh, let's read together. Ready, read. <laughs> for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. <laughs> right? Is that not so good? So let's sit in that for a second. So when we demonstrate the same love, the same love that he has for us by loving each other, everyone will know that we're his followers. So Given this verse, we obviously have to start by knowing who we are, the beloved. Sitting in his love, receiving his love. We can't give away what we don't have. And he even says, like, you're, you're demonstrating the same love I have for you. We can't demonstrate if we haven't experienced. And so this is our constant. It, this is, again, this isn't something I know I'm talking to vast people who have experienced the love of God, all right? But I am telling us because we, this is our, our constant coming back into alignment. This isn't something like, oh, that was an awesome season where I experienced the love of God. Or I remember that season when I got out of religion and, re and realized how amazing his love is. Like, th that's just not a thing. That's not a season. Like, this is a lifestyle of receiving his love, coming back center. And from that, then we have the opportunity to demonstrate it to one another. And this is how they know that we're his followers. Like, it's super simple. I love simplification. It's really one of my favorites. And, and so I'm finding, though, that it need, we need to talk about it as a family. What does this look like? Right? Because we can say all day, like, oh, yeah, we're going to love. Revival looks like something. It looks like love. Go love. <laughs> and what does it look like? feel like we miss the practicals. And so that's what we're going to sit in today as a family. What does it look like? What does this love look like practically? And how can we grow in it? I want to honor that, Acts 2, your hearts are beautiful. Our hearts are beautiful. We are lovers. Everybody who comes in feels safe and loved. And everyone's heart in here, I know, is your heart is for Jesus. Your heart is love for Jesus and love for others. Absolutely valid. We're wanting to take that heart that's gold and help it to blossom and flourish even more. We want to put some meat on that heart. <laughs> we want to put some arms to that heart. We want to give you some tools and vocabulary, but just practically 
realizing that we talk about revival, well, love is the vehicle that hosts revival. Love is the vehicle that moves the kingdom, right? If honor is the highway, love is the vehicle. And so just practically, you know, we've, we've had some apostles that have really taught us how to love well. Heidi Baker is one of them. If you guys are familiar with Heidi Baker, she's, um, they call her little mama in the dirt. She's, she and her husband rolling her in Africa, and they've started thousands of churches and discipled thousands and thousands of people and have orphanages and done all this stuff and literally bringing revival to countries. Like countries are noticeably different because they are serving there. And her whole thing is stop for the one, right? I just said how many people did they take care of? But their whole strategy is stop for the one. It's love looks like something. Jesus is moved with compassion. And so that she has really modeled it well. Had the honor of meeting her one time. That was really fun. I had um, started a program in the, when I was a youth pastor back in Virginia called Stop for the One, and my students were stopping for the one every day in their schools. They had little stop signs, and they were like doing a little revival thing, and it was awesome. And so we gathered all the testimonies of how they had like stopped for the one that week, and who they had encountered, like been the encounter of Jesus too and wrote it all down. So I got to meet Heidi and I handed her an envelope filled with testimonies of the students. I wanted her to be blessed to see the revival overflow that she was having even in Virginia, having never met my students. And so I handed her the envelope and I'm like, the students are stopping for the one. I'm so excited. And she grabs me by the shoulder and she goes, we're doing it. And I was like, (laughs) 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 my life is complete. Heidi Baker thinks I'm doing it with her. (laughs) <laughs> one of my best life moments ever but it, so just seeing like this is this is how practical it is though it's simple right she validated the students stopping for somebody in their high school saying an encouraging word you know re- releasing a prophetic word compliment whatever simple love simple truth she as was uh, as this major apostle was validating that that's it and so <coughs> there's um, just some ways we're going to break this down today, but I want to back up for a second and talk about this concept of intimacy because I just want to validate for people in the room that um, probably all of us have experienced broken intimacy, have experienced um, people hurting us when we chose to be open, And I just want to validate that that is a real part of our process of choosing to love and to relationships and do intimacy, is that we have to overcome that. Now, there is something beautiful in that that I want to give you. I remember telling Jesus one time, I was really sad. I mean, by nature, I'm just like a love bug, you know, like, think of the best, hug everybody, like, that's just my nature. And um, and one time I told the Lord, a couple years ago, I was like, I'm so upset. I told him, I used to just be able to, like, Someone could walk in and just easily, like, love them and be open and totally taking risk, not afraid. I was like, but then all these people stabbed me (laughs) and hurt me, and now it's scary. And now I have to choose to, like, love and choose to be open and choose to risk. And I'm upset because that's not how I used to be. And Jesus said, oh, Court, I love when you were young and that, that way your heart was. Like, that was so beautiful. He goes, but, you know, you're giving me a unique gift now in your choice. And I was like, I am, because I feel like I'm broken, because I used to be like that. And he was like, no. He said, you are now giving mature love. See, it is young love, and it's beautiful that can just give and be open. It's from a place of innocence, maybe even naivety. But when you have been hurt, and you have been 
abused and you have been mistreated and stabbed and et cetera and et cetera, and you look in the face of a new person or an old person you choose to love again and you choose to be open again, that's mature love. That costs you something. That's paying a price for deciding I will have the fullness, I will have design, I will not let anything be stolen. I will function in all Jesus has for me. I will thrive. And that is a unique authority, of course. Grit, as we would say. But it's, it's a unique gift to Jesus. It honors him and his design. And it's, it's worthy. It's like David said, I will, God, I will not give my God something that costs me nothing. You know, and it, it's okay if it costs sometimes. And so this is the same thing, whether it's hope, joy. This is mature hope that chooses to hope in the midst of disappointment. This is mature love yeah. that chooses to love in the midst of being hurt. Yeah. This is mature faith. You see, you see what I'm saying? That chooses faith. That chooses joy despite. This is what we're coming to. This is what we're coming higher in. And, and in the midst of, you know, um, our processing of um, getting rid of religion and doing love out of duty, we want to drop that part, <laughs> Right? Um, we also want to not fear the way we see broken relationships around us or what's common in the world. So just saying, like, let's put off what surrounds us. Let's put off what's behind us, whether it's religion or whether it's hurt, and let's press forward. Yeah. Let's press forward in all of what Jesus has for us. I, I cannot stress enough how this simple message of love, it is the most vital thing we can talk about. It is the cornerstone. It is the foundation. Bill used to tell us, you need character in order to host the presence, right? It's the same deal. Like, we want revival in Orlando, then we need to learn to love well. Because when revival happens, if we don't know how to love well, if that's not the structure of our house and how we do life as a family, we won't be able to host the harvest. Yeah. We won't be able to home the harvest. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, this is very make-or-break-it conversation. We must learn this. We must learn this in our own heart, in our own relationship with Jesus, our own immediate family, community, our house. We must learn this. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're hearing me say, okay, and I need you to do love and you know, do this or do that, not what I'm saying, not religion. Right. We're talking about overflowing from who we are. Yeah. We are sons and daughters. We are the beloved. We are the ones who are loved. So we love. And we want to intentionally learn how to do that well. I was hearing from um, some of my friends that are not in our house about these different pockets of revival and things that are happening in the city and Todd White's coming and what the Lord's saying over Orlando. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh man, we better get ready. <laughs> it's about to blow up, you know, like, like seriously. And like excited, but there's this other part of me that's like, okay, okay. <laughs> like, come on, fam, bam, let's bring it in and let's get ready, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's just really serious. Because like they come in, like wh when they get saved and they come in, or they come out of religion and they come in, like let's be ready, right? It's, it's just really, it's not about numbers and maintaining numbers. It's about taking care of the harvest. It's about taking care of those that come mm -hmm. in our doors. That's good. And each other, right? Because that's what the verse was about. That's how they'll know. And this is what revival looks like. This is what kingdom looks like. You guys with me? Yeah, that's good. So in counseling, are you familiar with the concept of baseline? I have a couple of friends that are like <coughs> counselors and getting their PsyD and boss people like that. And so they taught me about this concept of baseline. And so it's when you have a life experience, it becomes your grid basically or your baseline, your reference point to which you um, 
you refer off of or you know jump off of when you're um, having new experiences or incorporating new. And so I like to take my baselines to Jesus. <laughs> and I like to say, okay, I would not like my previous experience to be my baseline. I would like you and your kingdom to be my baseline. And this is about being a powerful son or powerful daughter that's not victim to what you experienced or what's around you or what's been previous, but you take it and you actually bring it to the king. You're like, I would like to exchange this dysfunctional one for yours. Thank you. (laughs) Right? This is practical Christianity. This is what it looks like. I would like to renounce all those lies that I was taught by that situation, and I would like to come into agreement with the truth. And so on the area of family, on the area of love and intimacy and trust, Dive in, lean in, have connection with Jesus, take risk, open up. We talked about family, I think it was about two months ago. Evaluate how, how have I been with this subject since then? Have I made changes? I think I invited you guys or challenged you guys to go out with um, someone from church after or linger or make sure you eat at least once a month with someone that's not in your same season of life. Have you been doing this? Evaluate. Check in practically. I think I gave you some other practical things, like share something important with someone else before you post on social media. <laughs> like, let's be <laughs> relational, <laughs> right? I would personally like to share this before I publicly share it. Yeah, sure. And honestly, it sounds silly, but that it's meeting an emotional need. And if we have constantly been doing it in areas like social media, we might not even realize that we have a need for interpersonal relationship <laughs> and intimacy and connection if we're getting it met in this yeah. other way. Does that make yeah, sense? more risky to lean into one person than announce it publicly, right? But it's more fulfilling and it's designed in intimacy and in connection and in that one-on-one. So these things, these are practical things. How are we doing with it? Check in. Intimacy, you know, you've probably heard it broken down like into me, you see. (laughs) Are you doing that? Are you letting people see into you? big question. The thing is, of course, we want to be wise with who we allow different intimacy levels, but that's the beauty of it. There's intimacy levels. You were at women's group. I taught about heart chart. Man, you were not there. I understand. I will tell you another day. But it it is about just an image of different intimacy levels that we manage within our own heart. So it isn't an excuse ever to not do intimacy, because you always got the small little level you can start at, (laughs) and you can always build up, right? Of course, the most intimate is with you and Jesus, then would be your spouse, and then would be your covenant friends, and the intimacy levels go down, but it's still an intimacy level, right? We're still showing up at some level. The heart behind being known, (coughs) of course, it's design. You know, we were made within the Trinity for relationship. I think when, oh I know, when I was praying and writing this message, <coughs> Jesus was showing me that sometimes we don't do intimacy because we don't feel like we're worth being known. We don't feel safe being known. Yes, we were addressing that with our past experiences, but it's this other lie that comes in, <laughs> right? If they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. 
or if they knew what, you know, like I had a friend recently tell me like, but if I show you my pit, I'm concerned you're going to get confused, me versus the pit and all of that. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, please show me your pit. I'm so concerned that you're not showing anyone your pit. <laughs> like, how are you going to get out of the pit if you're not showing anybody? I'm not going to get confused about who you are and who the pit is. Like, I got it. I got it. But please let me in on your pit process. <laughs> you know, like this, <laughs> this was like a real life conversation. <laughs> and, and so like th this is like the lie that tries to come in that, that uh, am I worthy of being known? And I just want to speak the truth over you. To know you is to love you. If someone doesn't love you, they have not known you. That is the truth. And you want to know how I know that? Because Jesus knows us perfectly and loves us perfectly. And so anyone who has a different opinion is not in alignment with Jesus, and he is truth. And that is it. It's just that simple. And so if you have an experience with somebody that no, ha, you've been open up to or you've shared or you've allowed to know you and they have not responded in love they have not responded with right identity i am so sorry and that is not okay and that is not jesus and that is not truth do not let that hold you back from knowing who you are and walking in relationship yes. right that is to know you is to love you you are worthy of being known your identity is separate from any pit and any process. And it is not okay when people have mixed that up, but don't you mix it up. <laughs> and this is the foundation of doing intimacy. We have to know this in and of our own brains, right? For so then when someone comes to us and is sharing intimacy, we don't get confused in our response. You with me? So remember Jay's message about risk and faith, and it was so boss, yep. it awesome. <laughs> this applies to this area. We must take risk and faith into our area of relationship and intimacy, practically. We did this exercise, the women, um, when Mama Susan Papa Paul were here, the, our women pastors, and she had us answer the question each, what is your desire when someone walks away from you that they ha would have experienced? It's a powerful question. I encourage you to ask yourself. I think Danielle said her desire is everyone would feel uh, known and maybe celebrated, something like this. Um, my desire would be that everyone feels loved and empowered. You know, just finding like the two things like you would want someone to walk away from you with or having experienced. And when we start identifying, okay, this is the vision, like that everybody who meets me has an encounter with Jesus, that everybody who has a conversation with me walks away feeling loved, empowered, whatever your word is, encouraged. Okay, then what does that look like? Then how do we practically have that happen? I was just telling my roommate the other day, I was just crying and just <laughs> in the prayer closet with her, and I was just like, I just want everybody to feel like the most important person. When they walk away from me, they're just like burning with revival. You know what I mean? Just like, do you have vision for that? Do you have vision that every person that encounters you, that's their takeaway? At work, in the grocery store, at church, every single person that gets within your arm's reach just experienced Jesus and walks away burning. Like, is this your vision? Come higher if it's not. This is why we're here. Technically, we're here to be intimate with Jesus, and this is the overflow, but you get it. <laughs> it's fun. It's easy. It's intentional. 
was talking with, um, with Sarah. Uh, she's leading our mama's group. She's actually in the nursery right now. But she is doing an amazing job leading these mamas and creating community. And I'm covering her as community pastor. And we have these conversations. And we were just talking the other day about how, you know, family is happening within our mamas. We have like seven pregnant women. And it's amazing. And they're all doing great. And, and but we were just sitting on, it doesn't happen accidentally. Right? right? That's right. It happened because Sarah made a choice, this mom made a choice, I made a choice. We, you know what I mean? This is how they're having this full family experience and being taken care of and being known. And it's the same, like, it's not going to happen accidentally. We're not going to turn around one day and be like, oh, we got awesome community and family acts too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, like, now it's, it's happening by a million great choices. Yeah. That's right. And it happens in our own personal worlds. Yeah. Right. So I'm calling us to be powerful sons and daughters. Powerful means choice, it means voice, it means self-management, it means ownership. That's what powerful means. So take those words with in this context of family and love. I'd like to highlight examples of extravagant love and simple love. I think they're both equally as important. Absolutely love the extravagant love. When we get extravagant love experiences by Jesus and others, it rocks our world. Can you call, recall to mind right now a couple in your own life where someone just loved you and you're just like, rocked my world, wept for days, mind blown. You got some of those love experiences? Let them recall, let them come back. It's your love tank. Maybe it felt empty this morning. It's not actually empty. <laughs> You've been radically loved. One that pops straight to my mind is my dad. We're very different. He's beautiful. I think some of you have met him. But in college, I found out years later that he was at war at, um, you know, at the war, <laughs> Afghanistan or whatever it was. He was at war when I was in college. Well, I found out that he was paying for my college by taking his per diem money and saving it and eating out of cans at war to pay for my college. I didn't even know. He didn't even tell me. I found out years later. Wow. Talk about wreck you. <laughs> right? That's extravagant love. We also have lots of extravagant love from dad, from Jesus. If you can't think of an earthly one, you can borrow mine. What's ours? <laughs> you know, what's mine is yours, vice versa. And come into alignment with what you have from Jesus. We've all been radically set free and saved and loved in our pits and, and fought for and pursued by Jesus. That's our bedrock. And simple love, simple acts of love. It's so important to see them and validate them. We can accidentally, see, it's, we talk about this, it's so important when we're establishing culture and revival and normalcy that it doesn't become familiar or common. Mm -hmm. That's very dangerous. Right. It's very dangerous that we're so used to how good God is that it's not a big deal anymore. Or so, yeah, of course, of course Lynn's back got healed. We all get healed. Woo! Like, that's not okay. <laughs> that's really dangerous. <laughs> Lynn's back got healed. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, this is so important that we maintain the sacred is sacred. And, and God's ways are amazing and worthy of the highest praise and response and adoration and love in all its forms and the simple acts from Jesus and from others is to be cherished and to be valued and to be validated as glorious, right? Whether it's your friend paid for your smoothie. Rachel paid for my smoothie this week. Or how many of you texted me because I was sick last week. Like those things, like let that love in. Validate it. The letting love in is so crucial. 
receiving. We must be good receivers. We can only give what we've received. Only to the level that we are able to be a good receiver are the lev- is the level that we're giving from in a healthy way. That's a concerning thing. <laughs> I learned that at Bethel and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> so you're saying I feel comfortable receiving like 20%. I feel comfortable giving like 100%. So you're saying I'm 80% dysfunctional? <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> All right, awesome. <laughs> Let's learn this. <laughs> and thus began my journey of learning to be a good receiver. And it started with simply like when someone would say something or give me something or something like that, I would, I would literally train myself, I receive it. Thank you. Like I would literally, like, it was like so painful. It was like speaking a foreign language. I'm like, why am I so bad at this? But it was just like, thank you. I received that. Opening my hands, giving, receiving it in. I think I've taught some of you, like my youth group, I used to teach them, open your heart. The guys would open their hearts like Superman. You know, just open your heart, let it in. Sometimes you'll catch me now that you know I do it. But because in that season, I was really trying to teach myself, like let it go in. And so sometimes still when somebody is encouraging me, I'll tap my chest. I'm reminding myself, let it go in. Let it go deep. Like I was reading a text this morning from Jay, like, you're going to do awesome, and encouraging me about the word. And so I read the text again, and I tapped my chest. <laughs> go in. Go in, little words of the truth and life and love. Go in. We've got to retrain ourselves. Okay, we've been trained by religion that our souls were bad and we were to receive no life. We were trained by the world, you know, that um, about pride or whatever it is. We must forget and we must retrain kingdom. It is honoring Jesus to receive honor. It is kingdom. You just read it. Like it is his design to, to receive love. This is his heart for us. So this whole journey of being a good receiver, I'd encourage you to sink your teeth into it. Don't let up. Teach your kids to be good receivers. In your community, what catch your friend when they're not receiving it? I, one of my friends the other day, I was trying to bless them with something, and they're like, let me pay for it, let me take it. I was like, please, please, please receive it, <laughs> right? Help them, help them receive. Let's do this together as a family. Again, wanting to reiterate, it all comes back from identity. This is coming from being the beloved. This is coming from being a son and a daughter. We give and we receive well. This is the exchange of kingdom. You guys with me? You getting it? Hmm. I have this vision that every single time somebody meets an Acts 2 person, that revival breaks out. Mm. That's cool. You guys with me? So excited. Why we want, we want you to prophesy. We want you to heal the sick. If we don't have love, right? It's nothing. It's twofold. Leaning out, leaning in, overflowing, loving. And the second hand is letting yourself be loved. Letting yourself be known. Sharing, opening up, showing up. Oh, that's one of the most powerful things you can do. Show up. Mm-hmm. Show up in relationship. Show up in community. Show up and for our family. Being mentally and emotionally present where you are. Mm-hmm. These are the biggest things we can do. This is the kind of thing that, that I believe makes us trustworthy. 
to host the more and to host the glory. Make sense? I'd encourage you to sit with these questions. What does love look like from me? What does it look like in its overflowing? Do you know? For some of us, like Jay, he's an encourager, right? You've been around Jay? Going to get encouraged? Love looks like wisdom from Jocelyn. It looks like comfort. Mm-hmm. Right? Last week I called. I'm so sick. I can't come. I can't drive. <laughs> Who did I call? I could have called any of the team. I called Jocelyn. <laughs> I'm sick. I need mama. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what love looks like from her. What does love look like from Andy? Super practical. The guy will make sure, like, we sit down, we all have drinks, we all have our food, everybody knows where they're sitting and we're taken care of. Love looks like that from him. Love looks like big papa hug from Andrew. He sees the whole room. He has, he has vision. He's going to move us all together. No one's going to get left behind. He's going to call us all higher. Love looks like encouragement from Danielle, too. She'll exhort you right out of any pit. I know. She's in it for me. I'd say love looks like hugs from me. If you get within my <laughs> my grasp, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to hug the hell right out of you. <laughs> my uh, personal motto for my life. <laughs> so find out what love looks like from you. Yes, we want to all grow in encouragement and vision and hug, sure. But the design that dad put in you to love is unique. And I want to see it flourish. We want to see it flourish in its fullness. What does it look like from you? Take risk to find and go after it. Major on it. And go ahead, take risks in the minors too. Do things that aren't your maybe nature or gifting. Absolutely. But sit with that. Sit with that with Papa in these next couple um, days. Ask the people that are significant in your life. How do you most, um, you know, effectively receive love from me? Get some, excuse me, get some feedback. And then this is our other question. What do you want love to look like from you? You even ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want love to look like from me? <coughs> Think back about your prophetic words. Is there a theme? There's a huge theme in mine was when I touch people, they immediately get freed and encountered and etc. Is that in your words, the touch, or maybe the look? Maybe the affirmation? Oh, we want it all. But lean in. Lean into what, what's dad's design. Yeah? Are we writing this down, putting this on our phone, making sure this is going to happen this week in our quiet times? It's going to look like something. The goal is to love well. Again, I want to reiterate that it's not from religion. Now, many of us were trained up in religion. You know, like, I don't even know. can't remember. 
been so washed away, but you know the things they used to say to us, <laughs> to do and to love, and like new person comes in, please go ahead and greet them, shake their hand, ask them five questions, make sure they sit with you, and follow up with a meal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, <laughs> is that what they used to say? I can't remember. But you, you know what I mean? Like how they like taught us like to, to love, quote unquote, with, but it was just duty. And so what I want to uh, kind of in my <laughs> intercession and and building up to this message for the past month, I was speaking with Andrew and Jocelyn and the rest of the team about, is my concern, I'm just going to be mama for a second, my concern is that in r- trying to get rid of religion and drop all of that, that we have accidentally thrown the baby out with the bathwater, not, you know what I mean? Like, like, actually some of those things were good, it was just from the wrong place. Does that make sense? And like, it's actually really good to go pursue a new person. It's really great to take care of practical needs. Like, these things are really good things. It was just from the wrong mentality or from the wrong place. Like, when those things are being done from overflow and from identity and from being the beloved, there's life on it. And it's not about right or wrong or this is what we do or not do, guys. Like, no, it's, this is the kingdom and there's life and there's fullness. And so my, I just kind of want to put a couple more things back on the table that I feel like maybe we've accidentally dropped and just, just practical things. I, um, I want to validate that we do this well, want to grow, and go after more. With me? Okay, so I've li- made a couple notices, some lists of things that we can, love looks like this. I'm just going to say a bunch and then we'll unpack a couple. So love looks like validating, asking questions, listening, pursuing, <coughs> words of encouragement, anticipating needs, being generous. It does cost. It's creative. It's about seeing. So I'm going to break down a couple of those. Let's start with words. <laughs> we laughed about this as a team a couple months ago, and we realized, man, we are so good at um, prophetic words in our house. Like anybody walks through, I am confident that any person who walks through this door is going to get some prophetic words. They're going to encounter Jesus. Like I am so excited about that. And then we realized, whoops, I think you can walk in our church, though, and be a member or be a new person um, and not get an encouraging word, not get told that you're beautiful and you look amazing and you're powerful and we think that you're really great. Whoopsies. <laughs> okay, so that's okay. We can grow. We, there's, you know, there's prophetic words. That's, you know, the Jesus word and our word together, the red on the blue, as Chris Fountain teaches. That's but there's this other part of love that's just words of encouragement, that's just um, affirmation, that's kindness, that's just encouraging, like, love <laughs> words that I think we need to grow in. I know we need to grow in. Right? And um, make it a personal thing. I did this when I recognized the power of words. When I was in college, I was learning about life and death and our tongue, and we create worlds with our words. I made it a personal mission that every single person I spoke to, I would give them a compliment. I would say a word of truth over it, would say an encouraging word. I don't mean prophetic. I'm not trying to say stop prophesying. Please don't stop prophesying. But add this to the mix, right? Because there is, there is a gift. When, you're, when we're prophesying, we're speaking from our spirit, spirit to spirit, and we need that. But we also have a soul, and they have a soul, and we're in a family. And it's, it's not normal not to talk to each other's <coughs> souls, too, or hearts. And, and everyone needs to know. Like, I, I recently was made aware, like, you know, we're all in different seasons, and we have different needs. And this is the place that Dad designed for us to get our needs met in healthy ways, right? And, like, I know I'm a daughter, and I bring something to you mamas and papas that you need, and you bring something to me that I need. I'm single. I bring something to the married couples that you need, and you bring something to me that I need. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm kind of transitioning it from words into seeing. 
This is another part of love. It's called to see. To see who's in the room and where they're at. Recently, I was at um, a baby shower, and I realized who's, who's single in this room, who's grieving that they are not pregnant, right? Like, we're celebrating, absolutely, this is what we're doing, but I'm concerned about homegirl and homegirl, and okay, let me make sure somebody sits by her, let me hold someone's hand, let me make sure that they know that I'm believing with them that they're going to be pregnant one day too, right? That's to see. Yeah, there was a little prophecy in there, but that was love and care and heart. And so just being aware of who's in the room, like, okay, what do they need? Are they, okay, they're believing for their child to come um, back into intimacy with Jesus, or they're believing to get married, or they're believing for this or that. And so just coming alongside, yes, in faith, but also in comfort and in um, consideration. And it's powerful to, to know that the people around you see you and know you and love you, but see you. Do you remember this part of God? The one who sees, what's her name in the desert? Uh, Ishmael, uh, Hagar, thank you. Like some chick, that was an H, it was right. <laughs> and she had that whole journey and she, she encountered God as the one who sees her. Oh, that's so powerful. That's our dad, he sees us. So we are little seers. <laughs> yes, in the spirit, yes, yes, yes. But also in the, in the heart in the relational world. Yeah, you guys with me? Yeah. Coming higher, coming with? Can't do this alone. I'm, I'm very aware. The harvest is coming. We've got a prophetic word that, the, that Jesus is holding the doors mm -hmm. of our house closed and the harvest is just pressing in to the point where, did I make that noise? Um, where the <laughs> harvest is pressing in where the doors are buckling in and Jesus is just holding because he's like, we got to get a couple more things right in the house and then the doors will be swung open. But literally like the doors are buckling in because there's the weight of so many people pressing in. So this is urgent. Let's get this, let's get this together and do this well. Not from duty, not from religion, from life with intentional, intentionality to love well. Let's see. I, I'm very aware that when the harvest comes in, I'm not going to be able to see them all. Our team is not going to be able to see them all. I can barely see you all, right? We need to do this as a family. That's the design. The design is not that it falls to five leaders or six leaders. The design is that we do this as a family. So to see, to speak words of life. Am I doing that? Oh, it's my earring. Okay, another one. <laughs> Jasmine, I have the hearing. This um, is about, um, let's do validation. You guys know validation? It's really important. So um, when somebody shares with you, say Blake shares with me, like he's doing, he's taking risks, he's, you know, going on doing his shows, and, um, and he was really disappointed because, not that this happened, I'm making this up, um, that nobody came. Like, nobody came to the show and he's super sad, right? So, <laughs> oh, am, am I not, I'm not making it up, whoops, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> when you're accidentally <laughs> prophetic, <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> this is a great example, real life, guys, real life. So, so what we could do right now is we could be like, go, we could go into fix-it mode. Okay, next time, when's your show? We're all gonna show up. We're gonna make sure that, da, da, da. First step. We validate. I'm really sorry, Blake, that nobody showed up. That is not okay. I'm really sorry we weren't there. And, th and you're, you're so worth our time, and you're so worth us coming to your show. I'm really sorry. Validating. That was not okay. 
comfort, whatever it looks like. Simple validation, that's not okay. Now we can go into, you know, like, oh, I'd love to come. Can you text us next time? Let's have a plan. You know what I mean? Like that. But the first step is validation. And what that means is your heart, her, his heart, his need, his situation was heard and connected to versus like, okay, like let's fix it or like whatever kind of our instinct is to or like prophesy, you know, you're an amazing singer and that the world is going to change, you know, next time. Yeah, that's great. After, <laughs> after we relationally connect, relationally care, it's a simple thing called validation. I'm sorry, that's not okay. I hear you. These are simple phrases you can say. It's called validation, but you're basically validating the hurt, validating the heart, hearing what was just said and, and pausing there before moving on. Yeah? Um, exhorters, watch yourself. <laughs> uh, your strength is to exhort. Make sure you pause first and validate and then exhort them right out of whatever. Okay, um, and so that, that's, that's really important. Second thing we're going to lean into, or maybe fourth, I don't know how many things we've leaned into. Okay, <laughs> ask questions. <laughs> we're going to ask questions. Asking questions is so, so, so key. Jesus asked questions. He's our model. Jesus did it, we do it. Asking questions is a way of pursuing people's hearts and knowing people, right? That knowing, loving, intimacy, this is, this is the thing. And really, I don't think that we can do it without question asking. It feels kind of like it's the gears of that love thing. Like, it, it's about leaning in. It gives you meat to that. Vanessa and I, my dear friend, she and I were talking the other day about the difference between reflective listening and active listening. Reflective listening is awesome, but you know it's for understanding. Like, say Andrew tells me, like, hey, Court, you know, um, we need to do this and this and that, and this and this and that, and it's important to me, and then I repeat back to him. I'm hearing you say this and this and that, and this and this and that is important to you. That's reflective listening, which is awesome, which we need, and it helps us have understanding. But it's not necessarily connecting, right? And so even if it was just, we'll take the Blake's thing. Blake, I hear that you say that nobody came to your show. Well, he was heard, kind of. <laughs> I understood what he said, which was a step, but that's reflective. That's not active listening. Active listening means you're asking questions, you're digging deeper, right? And it can be about a heart thing. It can just be about your week. You know, when we, we gather on Sunday, how was your week? And we're like, oh, it was really good, and this and this, that happened. And we can easily be like, okay, great, see you next week. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> think we rock at asking how are you and how can I pray for you those are good questions those are starters right. it's not normal to walk away from a conversation and that's the only question you asked it's not normal it's not normal to go to out to eat to coffee or to lunch with somebody and not ask them several questions it's just not normal and I'm not saying it out of guilt or I don't want anyone to feel bad but I do want us to come higher Right? And like this is how we are going to demonstrate his love. Whenever someone has asked you questions, and of course I don't mean interrogating, I mean just genuinely caring and unpacking. You know, like say, um, you know, you, you tell a simple story to someone like, oh yeah, this week I, I'll use me for example because I can think fast. Like Bella comes up to me and she's like, how was your week? Well, it was really good. I had some more clients at work and that was exciting. And then we move on. Or Bella could say, tell me about those new clients. Which one was your favorite? Mm -hmm. What did you like about that? 
what's one thing you're going to do different next week? I don't know. Just the questions can go on. Do I feel known? Yeah. Do I feel valued? Absolutely. Do I feel heard and connected? Yes. Or is our bond strengthened? Absolutely. Does that make sense? And so I, I noticed David Jackson is a master at question asking. Um, and so um, is my friend that was here with us last time I spoke, um, Rachel. And so I asked David, this is why I'm searching my phone, David Jackson, I asked him to explain to me in a, in a few words um, why he asks questions. Where does this question asking come from? Because he does it really well. How many of you have been asked questions by Dave Jackson and felt loved and cared for and in relational. Okay, most of the room just raised their hand, BTW. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, here, I'm just going to read to you what he responded back, because that way you're going to get it all. He said, is that okay? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you notice how I asked a question? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought we'd establish this, bro. Okay, my bad. Um, I, okay, he says, I think my strength in asking people questions and wanting to get to know them comes from an understanding that this person has value. Each person in our community, in our church, and in our small groups has something to offer myself and the rest of the community. When Paul and Susan came with their team, I felt like it was such a privilege to ask them questions. They have their own story and their own special connection with Papa God. Because they have so much to offer and so much value, I see it's an honor and a privilege to glean from them. One of my literal dreams in life is to have a long coffee with Bill Johnson and ask a list of questions. It's a good dream. I had that experience. You can take it. Um, the, the more value we have for the people in our community, the more motivated we will be to get to know them. Value and honor go hand in hand, come on, bro. And with community and connection, can't have one without the other. Boss right there, right? So good. Good job, Dave Jackson. <laughs> so that, that's the root of where he's asking questions from. It's from value. And do we all feel valued? Absolutely. And so it is, it's not about, please do not hear me say, all right, now you better go ask questions. Like, hello, Jay, let me ask you five questions. I'm a robot. Like, no, like, not like this. Please don't do that, please. <laughs> That's ugly and not nice. Um, but what is powerful is showing up for the human in front of you, listening to what they're telling you, leaning in, wanting to know more, wanting to understand why they made that choice or why they valued that or, and, and, and unpacking it with them. You know, so many of us don't even know how to unpack things for ourselves <laughs> and don't even know what's going on in here. That's why we position ourselves before Jesus and he helps us, but this is the same design of family, right? When the design is that when you walk away from someone that you're, you're like, oh, wow, like after you shared, that you feel more known and loved, but you also feel more empowered and more enlightened about what was going on inside, right? Like this is the design of why he has us doing life together. And so, again, I, I am on both hands. Like let's take risks and be open, but let's take risks and love and pursue. And there's this thing of pursuit, right? It, it isn't just about question asking. It's also about time and reaching out and pursuing connection and pursuing being in their life and in their space and having people over and, and enjoying um, who the Lord has blessed us in our family. We're so blessed. I mean, how, how often, and maybe, maybe you're from here and you've just always been at Acts 2, but I've traveled the world. I know how rare this is. And you, many of you know, like, I moved back here for this body. It is rare to sit in a house of people that want the fullness, that want Jesus and kingdom. This is rare. Enjoy who's next to you. Enjoy getting to do life and kingdom with. This is the dream. So can we grow in 
these practical things, asking questions and leaning in and validating and pursuing, anticipating needs, that's another great one. Yes? Great. (laughs) Awesome. 20, 25. Can I hear 30 people with me? Come on. Let's do it. So good. So this is love. It's extravagant. It's simple. It's well. It's from who we are. We want to show up consistently. This is radical love. It is mature love that loves in the face of being hurt, choosing to forget. And again, wanting to sit in this, letting ourselves be known and being loved. (laughs) Let's take risks there. You are lovable. Let someone know you in your process. Of course, it doesn't have to be everybody at that level, but let two people know you in your process. When you find yourself in the pit or pre-pit, I like to have pre-pit conversations nowadays (laughs) to avoid the pit. (laughs) It's my new lifestyle. (laughs) A pre-pit combo. (laughs) Let, Let someone know you in that. Please don't process that by yourself. As mature Christians, we have a tendency to um, f- process privately and then come and share the breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I realized I was going towards the pit, had this conversation with Jesus, broke some lies, believe the truth. Here I am, let you know, friend. <laughs> Whoopsies. Yeah. That's not relationship. That's not intimacy. That's not design. There's a level to which that's appropriate with other people. You understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But it is not normal if you don't have at least one to two people that have access to you where you are most vulnerable. Not only is it not normal, it is extremely dangerous. It is extremely dangerous if you do not have people who have access to you in that place. When you are a mess, when you are not remembering up and down. Right? And so it doesn't happen, though, at like, whoop, I'm at a level 10, let me find, I trust you, okay, here I am in my level 10. Help me. <laughs> That's not how it happens. It happens with a lifestyle of access. It happens with a lifestyle of intimacy and being known. It happens when you share the small struggles and the small victories. It happens when you just do life together, and this person knows you and has access to you. And I think I shared before, they catch things that you wouldn't catch. They help you pre-pit, <laughs> live. So you don't get to pick, so notice, you're like, mm, you're saying a weird word. Uh, have you noticed you have not slept in five days? Uh, have you noticed that you have um, not spent some time with the Lord for the past two weeks? I kind of noticed that you were always online. Or whatever it was. Do you see what I mean? Like, who, who has eyes on you? Like I was saying earlier, like we want to all see, but t- to what degree you have to choose to let people in. Right? I can show up to a conversation with you. I can want to know you. You can want to know me. We have to make a choice to allow access allow in. So I'd encourage you to pick two people, always the two, I don't know why two, but that's what we're on, pick two people to go after and pursue relationship with. And like I said before, if you're a couple, maybe pick another couple, and then maybe 
you know, the guy pick a guy and girl pick a girl, like something practical, trying to be practical. That these people are your friends in this deep way of knowing and access and permission. And then I'd also encourage you to pick two other people that you're going to be pouring into, that you're going to be discipling, that you're going to be overflowing in. Because that's family, and that's how we're going to do this. That's how we're going to make sure that then when those doors get swung open by Jesus, that we don't accidentally have a bunch of orphans in the house or a bunch of idols in the house. There is no way our staff and leadership can disciple them all. There's no way. So I, I'm asking, are you with? Mm-hmm. Will you pick yeah. two? Will you see, will you, will you allow the Lord to highlight people and will you take them under your wing? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know what to do or say. You have to show up. Mm-hmm. Everybody is qualified to love because you have been loved perfectly. And that is what discipleship is, right? Yeah. It is being loved by Jesus together and loving together and going on the journey of following Jesus. And let's not wait until the doors swing open. Let's care well and show up well for those in our house right now. Again, it's lifestyle and it's authority. Gained to ground by time. You guys with me? A little bit uncomfortable, a little bit encouraged, a mix. It's okay. I... um, I'm going to finish up here in a second because I asked Andrew to share a testimony on intimacy to close us. But I just want to touch real quick on the thing of trust. I think that we have funky things about trust sometimes. You've got to earn my trust, right? (laughs) Trust is a gift. Yes, manage well. Yes, steward well. I'm not asking you... Please hear me. I'm not asking you to be intimate, deeply, pit level with the whole church. No, I'm not asking you to just. <laughs> I am not asking you to. <laughs> I'm not asking you to trust everybody at the same level. No, I'm asking you to be a powerful son and daughter. Manage your space. Absolutely. But I am asking you to trust. Trust Jesus. Yeah. And trust the people around you at the different levels. Trust like we were talking about family, trust your leadership that we actually are for you. And we are committed to seeing your destiny fulfilled. Trust your other leaders, Mindy, the call, and Sarah with Mama's group, and, um, and Connie with Women's group, all on the Purdy's with Family Night. Trust that these leaders are for you. Dave with OSSM, Andrew with OSSM, trust that we are on our faces and 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 so, like, determine or laying down what we have to further you. Like, trust that. Trust that you're safe and you're loved and you're known. And then join us. <laughs> join us in having the new ones experience that, too. Setting us up. We're setting us up for success <laughs> and for fullness. This is family. This is family. So take the hand of someone next to you. We're going to pray. And he's going to testify. (laughs) Jesus. Make sure everybody has a hand, please. Jesus.
There are so many prophetic words over today that Jesus is doing something in this message, that he is knitting us together, that he is releasing a shockwave of family and normalcy throughout our house. Holy Spirit, come right now. We're creating space for you to do what only you can do. Net us together, weave us together, call us higher, transform our thinking. We repent and release the old ways of thinking. All those vows about trusting people and being known and being loved, we just let the vows go. We renounce the fears. We break agreement with the lies. We say, Jesus, come. We want your baseline. We want your baseline of family and intimacy and community. We want your baseline of love and trust. Jesus, supernaturally transform our lives right now. Deposit, deposit. Kingdom, normalcy in us. Oh, we're good soil. (laughs) We'll take care of those seeds. new new yeah I just speak to every heart I am really sorry for where you've not been loved well I'm really sorry for where you've not been treated well and cared for even in our house I'm really sorry for where you were not asked questions or seen or pursued Holy Spirit come right now Displace the old. And where we were taught by our natural families or religion or the world, funky ways of doing love and relationship, we just let it go. (laughs) Not ours, not ours. All done. We want you, Jesus. We want your ways. We want the kingdom. We see him equipping our hands, our our hearts, our mouths, our eyes with love. Be the burning ones with love. This is a corporate word, but it's very personal. So right now, in your own way, give Jesus your yes. Ooh, this is significant. Stay in that place. Yeah, stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did say stand up, apparently. (laughs) If you're with me, stand up. (laughs) Ned, sit down. We'll pray over you. Mm, Jesus. Yes, keep holding hands. We used to do this in Bethel, and, you know, we each carry something, so you're releasing something. But it's a prophetic act. We're on to prophetic acts today. Uh, we are unified. Jesus, look, look at Acts 2. <laughs> We're a family that's unified, that's committed to love. In this place, we can host heaven. In this place, we can host revival. We can host the harvest. Hmm. 
Jesus, right now, will you show us the truth about the people around us, the truth of the people in our family, the truth of the people you've positioned in our lives to run with, to bring revival with, to have the fullness with. Show us the truth about their hearts and their intentionality. Show us the truth about their spirits and their trustworthiness. Show us the truth, Jesus. And I call your spirits to respond, to take a risk, to move forward. I call you forward. I call you above, above, above only. Forget what lies behind. Whew. Come on. Come on. This is it. This is it. Restoring our hearts. Restoring our lives. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.